bow our hearts in a word of prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, thank you this morning that we can gather around your word. Thank you for this opportunity to turn our hearts to those matters of eternity. We ask that your spirit would be with us this morning, that it would open this word and that it would open our ears and hearts And that we could be refreshed and corrected and guided and encouraged. We ask that you this morning would be with any who cannot gather around your word. That you would comfort them and guide them and encourage them. We ask that you would be with each of us as we go forward from this place. And that you would use your word to bring us guidance and faith and that we could walk in the comfort knowing that you are leading and guiding each of us we ask that you would bless our leaders that you would turn their hearts to your will and that we could be given faith to trust that you are in charge we ask that you would bless our homes and bless us as parents and our children, that, that those matters of eternity and salvation could be most important and first and foremost in our lives. We ask these things in Jesus' name, who's taught us to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. 
give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Should we continue with 193? be greeted this morning with greetings of grace and mercy and peace from God our Heavenly Father through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. For a text this morning I will turn to the book of Hebrews to the 12th chapter. I don't know, I maybe say this every time that it happened to choose a text from Hebrews. It's a very difficult book for me to choose a text from because it seems it ties back and forth so much. But I'll read from the 12th chapter, from the first verse down to the 11th. And I'll probably talk about verses before and after where I read, but that's where we'll read. 
Hebrews 12, 1-11. Reading in Jesus' name. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Amen. The previous chapter, the 11th chapter of Hebrews, commonly called the chapter of faith because it speaks about faith going back all the way to Abel and it makes the statement in the 6th verse it says but without faith it is impossible to please him speaking of God for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him And it goes before and after those verses and mentions by name many of the men in the Old Testament who we read about, who are quite often in Bible story books, and we, many of us know the stories of them, of Noah and Abraham and David. And it tells us how they did the things that they did by faith. And because they were doing them by faith, and many of them are miraculous things. It speaks of them going through the Red Sea. speaks of the walls of Jericho falling down as they walked around it. And some of these things are, we say, quite spectacular, as well as miraculous. Then it goes and it speaks of those who had trials. It says trials of cruel mockings and scourgings and bonds and imprisonments, stones, sawn asunder, slain with the sword. They wandered in sheepskins and goatskins. And it is things that they don't seem too spectacular or miraculous. And it isn't things that we as humans would necessarily want to be partakers with. And I find it interesting, along with those things of being stoned and sawn asunder, slain with the sword, it says, and we're tempted. And maybe it's just my own mind, but I find it interesting that it's placed there as being a trial. And I'm sure that all of us understand that temptations can be a trial. And and for some reason, often in my mind, um, there's that, I don't know if you say 
a thought, but it's just a subconscious thing that temptation is the same thing as sin. And maybe it's because the devil, he brings that thought, well, if you're actually a Christian, these things, you shouldn't have temptations in any areas. But the truth of the matter is, I believe as Christians, the devil works harder to bring anything that might be a temptation to our flesh and lay it very colorfully out in front of us. And it is probably, in one sense, if we could, I say, look at it in the right context in our thoughts, recognize that in reality it is something that speaks to the faith that is in us. If someone has no time for God and just lives in these things, they're not really a temptation. They're just what you do. But as Christians, we understand that there is many things in this life and there's many things that appeal to our flesh that are not good for us. And it is not pleasing to God. And we speak of being tempted by the world, the devil, and our own flesh. Our flesh is drawn to these things. And yet, in reading this, it would seem to be a testament to the faith that is in us. And speaking there in that sixth verse, it shows how important faith is. We are saved by faith. We walk by faith. And this whole chapter goes and speaks of those things that those people did. And they did them because they put their faith in God. And some of them weren't easy. In fact, I think many of them weren't easy. And many of them, excuse me, we read them and we may even have we may even be able to read them in one chapter in the Bible, or even in part of a chapter of the Bible, and it's covering many years of their life. I have no idea. I know it speaks of, or I've heard people say that Noah spoke for 120 years, and I don't know where that comes from. But I don't care what the time frame is, if you're building an ark, it's going to take a long period of time. And it was no doubt work. And yet, because he was doing it under the instruction of God, and he's doing it to be in the will of God, he was doing it by faith. We know from reading the Old Testament that they didn't even, hadn't even had rain yet when Noah was started building the ark. It was something that they didn't have any understanding of. And yet, just trusting that what God said was so, he built an ark. And him and his family were saved. And we can read those chapters, and we can read... They're mentioned here in Hebrews. But then when it says here, we're at the start of my text, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. I don't believe that it's just speaking of those people in there that are recorded in the Bible. I believe that it is speaking of people that we, I'm sure, knew. Or even perhaps know, I could say. But we look at people who've passed from this life to the next and it may be a parent or a friend or perhaps even a child but there is that testimony in their life that walk failing as it may have been at times and imperfect as we all are they still walked by faith they put their trust that when they passed from this life to the next They put their trust in God. 
and they put their trust for guidance in his spirit in the leading of this word and it is, encourages us that when we see those things we are encouraged to be uplifted and that we would look at those things that says let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us it isn't that it's a difficult thing to become weighed down or a difficult thing to fall into sin it's very easy for our human nature God knew that he continues to know that and it tells us what we're to do with it it says let us lay aside these things it is why I believe that we are given that privilege of, and not only given it but encouraged to take advantage of it not only here but in other places it speaks that we are to come boldly to that altar of mercy and that's where we can lay these things aside and set them aside that they would not weigh us down that we, could, we would walk weighed down and struggling it is how God would desire us to walk is in freedom and the devil would walk very desperately to, for us to be weighed down and struggling even so much so that we would give up God tells us the Bible tells us I believe the spirit would encourage us and I believe that that is why it encourages us here to look at these people that are mentioned in the Bible and look at our fellow Christians those that have gone on before and see that there is hope in walking by faith and we are given something to look forward to and those sins and not just sins but struggles in life and worries in life that we would set them aside we're not to carry those things were to give them to God and it's something that I have said I've heard other people say that if there's something that we're worrying about that we're to give it to God and it sounds easy for our humanness or for mine at least it can be a difficult thing to do and my mind will worry those things around and around and around at times we're to lay them aside and it says and let us run with patience the race that is set before us it means that the walk that God has given us we're to trust that he knows where we are is where he knows we're at and if there's something that he wants us to change if we're a child of God he will put it on our heart he will give us strength to overcome those things that we struggle with I mentioned I don't know I guess maybe it was just in Bible study we were speaking the other night or maybe it was even from here last week and you'll have to bear with me repeating myself but it's an interesting thing in my mind and part of me marvels at it because it shows the ability of God and yet I wish in some ways that it wasn't so but the Bible tells us that we are to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the thing that is miraculous and frustrating to me all at the same time is that oftentimes how I come to understand truly how gracious my God is is when I fail him and he still loves me it's an amazing thing how he can do that show how gracious he is and he extends his mercy to us daily 
and it shows us then how we are to run this race or how we are to find strength for it. It says, looking unto Jesus, <coughs> excuse me, the author and finisher of our faith. There's no place in the Bible that tells us that we're to come up with faith on our own. It says God gives faith. And here it says that Jesus, he not only is the author of it, but he completes it, completed it. It tells us how we can look to grow our faith. It says faith cometh by hearing. And not just hearing anything, but hearing the word of God, or hearing of the word of God, which is of Christ. And we see how so much ties to our Savior, Christ Jesus. He provides us faith, he provides us salvation. All these things. And it is why we are to look to him. And it says, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. We can read there recorded in the gospel texts, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and his prayer, and reading it, we can understand that he was under great duress to the point that he asked God that if there is some way that this cup could be taken away from me, please take it away. And yet he still, we know, said, thy will be done. And to me it gives great, I guess, comfort to know that we have a God who will hear our prayers. And he may answer that, no, this is not my will. But he still hears, and we can pray those things. And so, it wasn't that Jesus was looking with joy at the cross, or taking our sin. It was looking past that, to the resurrection, the fact that it says here, is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. That he accomplished our salvation it isn't that we are able to walk through this life and I don't think that it is realistic and if someone we see people who seem to always be upbeat and there are some people that are upbeat but life can weigh us down and it doesn't mean that we aren't Christians it doesn't mean that we don't have faith all of a sudden It means that we live in a sinful world and we walk with sinful flesh daily. And these things can become tedious and tiresome. And it is beyond my comprehension what Jesus faced. And yet, what was past that was so, or is, or is so wonderful that it brought joy in his heart to do that for us because he wanted us to be able to experience that also and to walk in this life in freedom in spite of the trials knowing that we have something to look forward to that is beyond the best that we can come up with in our mind in this world and he did it because he loves us It is something that I don't believe we can comprehend, but by faith let us trust it and know that it is so. And God not only loves me and you, he loves everybody. And I heard an interesting discussion they were discussing that does God love everyone in the world equally? And it gets to be a pretty deep conversation and in some ways I think it's beyond my pay grade if I put it that way and I hope you understand what I'm saying there 
I believe that the love of God is for all of mankind equally, but many people don't take advantage of it. Because the greatest expression of his love is sending Christ Jesus to us to save us that this joy that Jesus looked forward to even though he was facing taking the sin of all mankind on himself before a holy and perfectly righteous God and paying for that the joy that he had to look forward to by doing that give him that he would do it for us and let us not only take advantage of it but if we run across anybody who is in any way seeking that we would share with them what we are privileged to know share put simply that gospel message not just for the world in general but what it has done for me personally For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be weary and faint in your minds. This verse, to me, it, it's a. Uh, I have to read it and consider it to. Just it seems complicated wording, or maybe not complicated wording, but it covers a lot of things. I believe that it's telling us that we should. Consider what Christ did and what he faced. And I'll put it this way Jesus came and walked perfectly. We know that. He was at all times within the will of God, and the will of God is perfect, so he was perfect. And yet, mankind is sinful enough that they came up with enough reasons to put him on the cross and crucify him. And he knew that, and he endured that, and yet he willingly died on the cross for those who were putting him, them, him there, and for us whose sins put him there. And he, if I say put up with all those trials that natural life brings, he experienced, says that in all ways was tempted as we are, He experienced heat and cold and hunger. And he did it because he looked with joy, if I say, at heaven, at being with God. And I believe this is telling us that we would consider that he did all those things. And and knowing that he was doing that because what is ahead is so good and that we would consider that and not get so discouraged that we face these same things also we are going to face trials we're going to face people that are against us we don't even come close to the perfection that Christ did so there is a reason that people can be upset with us There's perhaps reason, if I put it to the extreme, that we should be crucified. Maybe figuratively or even in reality. We should not get discouraged by those things. Because that should not be our focus. Our focus should be on what provided Christ joy in facing those things. that he would someday see those who believed in him in heaven and that he had provided the means for that we don't have to provide the means for that we can simply believe that it is provided and let us let that encourage us and walk by faith that we would trust in what God says. That we would believe God. 
says, ye have not yet resisted unto blood striving against sin. And I believe that there are some people who have. There are people who have been killed because they will take a stand against what is wrong. I don't believe any of us have had to at this point. And I would hope and pray we don't have to. We read things in the Bible and it may come that we do. And it is, we read in, say, Fox's Book of Martyrs that some of the things that people have faced and the way that they were able to face it, people are marched to cruel, horrible deaths, praising God. It is because God gives faith. Even in those times, the amount that is needed to give joy at looking what they are going to face or going to achieve past, if I say that, painful death. If God can give faith for those things, I'm sure he can give us faith to face the trials that we do, even though they do feel overwhelming at times. I'm sure we have all experienced that. It can get us down. It can weigh us down. And I believe that this is why, even in these places, these things are recorded for us. That the Spirit could lead us to these places that we could be reminded that God knows this world has troubles. He knows we face trials. He wants us to look past these things and trust that He can take care of us through them. And I believe that's part of what it says here, that Jesus is the finisher of our faith. Yes, he accomplished on the cross that we could walk by faith, but he gives us faith to the end. He makes that promise that I will be with you until the end of time. And since time is still with us, he is still with us. And when we pass from this time, we will be with him. When faith becomes sight. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. This is something that I don't know that our human flesh wants to. Or I know it doesn't look to it with um, being encouraged, if I say. Because it is mostly our human nature that needs to be chastened. But it takes an example here of anybody who has dealt with children. You don't have to be around them or deal with them that long. And you realize that they need to be corrected. And, and we see to the extent that God corrects us. It says, uses the word scourgeth. <coughs> Scourging is a rather, I say, severe punishment. We don't see it in our country anymore for many years. And I don't know that we would scourge our children. Yes, we are encouraged to if I say physically discipline them, whatever form that takes. But the thing that we need to remember as parents is there is a line, and it is sometimes very difficult because we are human. We understand that God has the ability to do it out of love for his children. And let us do that out of love for our children. Because we care about their beings. We care that they would grow up to be good people. And not just good people, that they would grow up to look to God. That we would direct them to matters of eternity and faith and make those most important in their lives. And that they need to be corrected in that. And I believe that we can look at 
even this here both ways. We can recognize that God needs to correct us. So yes, we need to correct those little ones. Or we can look and see, yes, we need to correct those little ones. They do things that aren't good, aren't right, are dangerous to themselves, even if they're not trying to do wrong. It is the same with us, I'm sure. The difference between us and our children is much, if I say in comprehension, is much smaller than it is between us and God. So if we need to correct them and stop them from doing things that would be damaging to their to them in some way we can be sure that it is the same for us it says that no chastening is seems pleasant it doesn't but let us be thankful for it because it shows that God loves us and it gives a very harsh warning if I say it says if you be without chastisement whereof all are partakers then are you bastards and not sons then we're not if, we, if God doesn't correct us if we don't get corrected we're not a child of God because God cares for us and he is going to correct us it is just how it is. And so if we find that we walk along and there's nothing that ever seems to be wrong, that we are just fine with everything, we better take a look at what we are. Because we are far from perfect. And yes, we know children as they grow up, they, there's things that they learn if I say there's things that they recognize that you don't touch a hot stove or something like that correction, experience perhaps touching it once or twice you learn that you don't do that but there's still things no matter how old we are that are a problem and we can thank our God that it says here, He is the finisher of our faith. He will see us through to the end. And that correction will be there to the end. Not because God wants to straighten us out, but because He cares. And He wants us to be partakers of that joy that Christ looked forward to. And He has the ability to correct us and chasten us out of love and I believe that that should be how we as parents would strive to correct our children he says if you endure chastening um, for whom the Lord loveth he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth if ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? We know that's how it is. And we see the results in the world today where there's children that they're not corrected. Their parents or whoever it is does not in reality care enough about them to get after them for doing something wrong. And we see the results, and it's not good. They aren't happy. They're self-destructive. They're destructive to those around them. We all think that if we just could do what we want, then everything would go along wonderfully. I don't know if this, <laughs> this popped in my mind today, or just now, I mean... And it just shows the extent of human nature, I guess, because it's, and because of that, I find it humorous. Frank had told Bridget that he's not going to do anything wrong and be mad anymore. Well, then she told him he couldn't do something, and right away he's angry and, and mad about it. And she said, I thought you weren't going to 
be mad anymore. He said, yeah, but you wouldn't let me do what I wanted. It's how we are. It shows up there. It shows up here. We want to do what we think. And thanks be to God, he's given us as parents, hopefully, the wisdom to correct that. Because we have experienced it with God with us. And hopefully, we have lived long enough to experience that, yes, he is doing that out of love. And we can see how it is good for us. It makes it, I think, easier to deal with those little ones out of love and know that it is for their good. As much of a trial as it is sometimes. I was talking with someone this week, I think it was, saying how if you get a child and it keeps hitting, running into the fences constantly and you're having to correct them and correct them, you can start thinking that they're just dreadful. Instead of just looking that they're just making sure that there's boundaries there, that they are loved. It doesn't make it good, and it doesn't make it easy, and we should remember as adults, it's probably not good to do that with God constantly. Find, try and find where the boundaries are. It is why we are given that faith and that spirit that we could walk a little less running into things constantly. says, furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh who corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits and live? And we see that. We have experienced that. That our parents corrected us. And if we have a father that corrects us because he loves us, maybe fails at times, but I say acknowledges that it gives us a respect or a reverence as it says here for him for them how much more for God when we know that he can do it perfectly there's so many things in the Bible that are there and they take some natural example that we understand. We have experienced it. And then it takes and ties it to our relationship with God. And it is so that we can begin to understand the care and the love and the completeness of how God would desire to deal with us and be with us. It says, for they... Excuse me. <clears throat> for they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. I read someone that said, with children, don't let them do anything. It's a simple but true statement um, that simplifies it almost too much, but it says, do not let your children do things that make you not like them. And and it kind of goes to hear what it says here, that we're doing it so that for our, that we would like them. And we know that it's for more than that. We don't just do it so we we would like them, but as they grow, they would be likable by others around them, that their life would go better because they are walking in a way that is appropriate and not just appropriate in the eyes of people, but in the eyes of God. And it says that God, He does it for our profit. He's doing and correcting us and guiding us and scourging us, if necessary, for our benefit. And and the ultimate benefit is that we could be with Christ eternally. 
and live with him. It says, Now no chastening for the present seemeth joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. We know if we get after some one of these little ones, they're not happy about it. They might cry, they might pout, they might be very upset for a period of time. But if we do it, especially if we do it correctly, which we can trust that God corrects us correctly, we know that it helps them. And we can trust that it helps us when he chastens us, when he corrects us. And it produces something. It says, the peaceable fruit of righteousness. When we're walking in the righteousness of Christ, it brings peace to our heart. We speak about that peace that passeth all understanding. Because it's not talking about just natural peace. It's talking about peace of our heart. Peace in our heart, if I say And it says that that comes because God, through love, corrects us and guides us and gets after us when needed. It goes on then, wherefore lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. We could read through the rest of that chapter and it encourages us to walk according to God's will, but to walk with joy. It is what we are encouraged to do. It's not very easy when we are being corrected to feel joy in that, but in reality, we should, and we should be thankful, because God is doing it because he loves us, and because he wants us to experience that eternal joy of salvation. May God add his blessing to his word. In Jesus' name, amen. Continue with one what number? One thirty one, sorry. There's communion in my mind wasn't working right.
May the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ preserve your bodies and souls unto eternal life. Amen. Praise the Lord for his gracious gift of which you have partaken and proclaimed his suffering, death, and resurrection until he cometh again. Arise and depart in the peace of the Lord. body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ preserve your bodies and souls unto eternal life. Amen. Praise the Lord for his gracious gift of which you have partaken and proclaim his suffering, death, and resurrection until he cometh again. Arise and depart in the peace of the Lord. Several people have asked about it, so she wasn't going to say yes. <laughs> 